We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Uh, make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. Follow me at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube as well or subscribe. You know how that goes. Seahawks Man, the number two man, is the YouTube channel. We appreciate all the love and support all season. It's off-season bag. Stay with us. We appreciate it. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's been a minute, but we are back. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. Yeah, as you guys noticed, we had slowed down the cadence a little bit um, in terms of uh, how often we're putting out shows. Got two in the offseason, man. We can't do two a week in the offseason, plus a weekly breakdown of plays. Nah, we'd, we'd crash and burn. And let's be honest, ain't that much shit to talk about. You know, in the offseason, there's some some speculations here, speculations there. Like we wasn't going to recap the Pro Bowl, you know, so it wasn't that. Chris asked me the day before the Pro Bowl, I said, "You gonna watch the Pro Bowl?" I said, "Hell no, I ain't gonna watch that." Did you watch the Pro Bowl, Chris? I watched a little bit of it, and I was like, "Eh, it's okay." So I, I watched it. I watched. I watched Gino. I did actually. I should say this. I started soup that Sunday. We'll get into. You guys have a lot of questions that we're going to answer in the show. I uh, I started that Sunday. I rewatched Super Bowl Forty Nine, uh, and just like the whole game, and I I'm, I have a bunch of takeaways from it. But then I looked up and I saw Geno throwing a touchdown on like George Kittle. So like, oh damn, maybe I should turn this on. And then I watched the rest of the thing on mute. So I was very confused by some of the other games that they was doing. Like when Geno's team had one, I was like, oh that was quick. And then I go and then they're like, some guys are climbing some walls. Uh, and, and on some sleds, and, and this is all on mute, so I can't really hear the explanations of anything. 
Uh, and then their back plan flag. I was like, oh, okay. So there was two games. All right, cool. I go back and doing something else. And I'm like, what is Stefan Diggs and Amon Ross St. doing on these trampolines? <laughs> I was very confused. I watch a lot of stuff on mute. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So it was, yeah, it's very, very strange. And then they went back on the field. I'm like, oh, there's Derek Carr. I'm like, what? Yeah, so I, w- I was... I was like mildly entertained, but watching it on mute, I'm sure did not help. I'm sure you did not watch it on mute. I didn't know, but I thought it was cool. It was interesting. It was better than what we've been used to seeing for the last 20 plus years. It was a it was a new style. They tried it. It worked. I don't agree with doing multiple different things within the game. Just play the game. <laughs> right. Because Mike is wondering, what? Are the, what? I thought I thought the game was over, and now you're doing this. Oh, now the Derek Carr is out there. I think they should just stick the flag. It is what it is. Play that and go from there. I don't really care about the dodgeball. I was, yeah, I didn't I even didn't watch see any, I didn't see any of the dodgeball. Yeah, it just okay. You're playing. What does what dodgeball have to do with football? <laughs> yeah, that, well, I can see, and I thought about this to your point. I thought about why they tried other games in between that. Like when I was sitting there thinking about it after, I was like, oh, they're probably trying not to just leave out the big guys or any of the special teamers. First of all. I seen a tweet from Josh Jacobs that said, "This is the stupidest." He says it's dumb, basically what they're doing. He's oh, gonna yeah, go on vacation. Yeah. I don't imagine too many fat men are like, "Damn, I don't get to play flag football, so we just don't get to do nothing." Now, Mike, to your point, there might be a couple of guys that had a really good season, and one of their goals is to be a Pro Bowler. And you know what that means? You get to play in a fun game. So maybe that, to your point, that could be the case. But I don't imagine too many guys are like, "Damn, I got left off the flag football team, so I got to play dodgeball." I don't That's know. True. That could be true. I did not read any of the, the recap stories from the from the thing, so I, I'm very curious how the players, the feedback went. Maybe if I run into, I mean, I just asked some of the guys, I asked Tariq or something like that, Quandre, asked how they liked it. Because um, I saw Quandre play. I think Tariq, yeah, Tariq played too, Gino. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, see how they liked it. Because it's really about the players. It's, it's how, how engaged the players are will determine the quality of the product. Ding, so if ding, they ding, like ding. that format, then it will continue to be entertaining. They'll be able to talk trash. And the one thing I did like, someone pointed out to me, I thought that was good. I noticed in real time, they weren't wearing helmets. And I think the Pro Bowl, you should see the guys. Mm. Like you should, because some of these dudes are under the radar players, and to see them without their helmets on just kind of boosts their status. You know, like to see, like Jalen Ramsey's already pretty famous, but like even just a George Kittle or like a, a use check or some of these other guys, even Justin Jefferson, you know, like just to see their faces. You know, while they're doing their thing, it kind of was like NBA style. I did, I did like that because honestly, I didn't know what some of these guys look like like that. I'm not even gonna lie to you because they wear helmets. So yeah, you know, particularly some of those guys who are in the AFC. Like I was like, who is who is Smith? Like, oh, that's what Roquan Smith looks like? You kidding me? I, no clue, no clue. What Roquan looked like without his helmet. So I thought that, and I'm someone who follows the league. I can only imagine what it was like for some of these other these other people who were like casual viewers of it. So. Hopefully the players enjoyed that. Will I watch yeah. next year? Probably not. <laughs> probably not. You know what's probably going to happen is in a few years, they're probably going to have a media flag football game put on by the NFL where all media members, the Athletic, ESPN, probably do a big game like that. That, w- that would be dope. Or just like a celebrity flag football game like the NBA has, like do that. Get yeah. like get uh, get whoever. I saw Snoop Dogg out there. I saw some yeah, other- He was the coach, believe it or not. I believe I can believe Snoop Dogg do anything Snoop Dogg put his mind to. I'm pretty sure he called like a boxing match a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, Snoop has dabbled and done I think everything. And I'm pretty sure he's he's called a hockey game before. 
pretty sure he's been a, a, a uh, he's he's done hockey and boxing. And this is Snoop with no background really in sports other than like a youth a youth flag a youth football league. So yeah, anything Snoop I believe Snoop Dogg could put his mind to anything. I'm surprised they didn't call Kevin Hart because they call Kevin Hart for everything. Right, <laughs> NBA yeah. All Star Game. Kevin Hart, you want to do something? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was mildly entertained. Shout out to Gino though. Gino threw like four or five touchdowns in that thing. Yeah, he was looking regular season form to me. Yeah. No, he looked good. And guys playing with all the jewelry on. That was very baseball-y. Yes. Yeah. I'll never understand that. I got all this. I, I even when you do it, I'm like, how? All it oh, takes yeah. is one, one oopsie, and now your chain's broke, and now you're mad. It's like, why are you wearing it? didn't buy it to, for people not to see it that's the answer that that is the answer uh but it, it, while we've been away you guys have uh things not much has transpired in the off season gino gave a couple interviews you know stuff like that um but you guys have a lot of questions about stuff chris and i have a lot of answers about stuff so we shall We're roll done. with your twitter questions about the off season a lot of good content thank you for all the questions um very good stuff gave me chris an excuse to just uh not an excuse but it just helped us figure out what you guys want to hear us talk about you know, so we have our things, but it's like we're here for y'all, the people. So what we got, Chris? What we starting with? We'll start with Chris Leeper at Rosebug underscore 22. If Carter and Henderson Jr. are gone at number five, do you agree the Hawks should look to trade down? And then part two of this question, I think Richardson would be perfect to sit and learn behind Gino, and the Seahawks should take him top 20. Do you agree? That was Will, uh, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter in the first Correct. part of the question? Yes. Yep. Okay. Will Anderson. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, one of my takeaways from the senior bowl that I was at last week is that the the the, the general thought is that there is a, a significant gap between Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, you know, Jalen Carter from Georgia, Will Anderson Jr. from uh, Alabama, a significant gap between them and the rest of the non-quarterback prospects. So, like, I think a lot of mock drafts, including one from Dane at The Athletic, has Seattle taking uh, Tyree Wilson, uh, the kid from Texas Tech, at, like, five or nine or something like that. And it's my understanding that, like, yeah, there's a gap between, like, Jalen, Will, and, and the Tyree kid. Not to say the kid's not good, uh, but there's just a, there's just thought to be a gap. It actually honestly feels similar to last year, um, where there was, like, in, in terms of needing a tackle, there seemed to be – I forget who the top – who was the top guys? It was, like, Evan Neal – uh icky charles charles cross i think that and there was like a thought that if you wanted to tackle you should trade back if those three are gone so like i remember one of the, the sentiments was like hey if the if charles is gone icky's gone and whoever the other guy i think it was evan neal of the giants if those three were gone the seahawks should have traded back instead of taking like the northern iowa kid uh penning who the saints ended up taking uh, like 17 or 18 or something like that. This feels like a very similar situation, you know, where if 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 you can't get Jalen, you can't get Will, and you don't want to take a quarterback, then, yeah, you call somebody and say, hey, who wants five, you know, and see what you can get for someone to come up. Because someone will come up. It doesn't always have to be for a quarterback. You know, I think the Eagles – would the Eagles trade up to get Jalen Waddle? I think the Eagles traded up to, like, what pick – no, excuse me, not the Eagles. Um, the, who does he play for? The Dolphins. I couldn't remember that. The <laughs> Dolphins, yeah, because the Dolphins had like pick three, I think, traded it to the Niners so they could get Trey Lance. And the Niners went from from three, or excuse me, from 12 to three. But the Dolphins still ended up taking Waddle at like six, I want to say. So they went back up from 12 to six. Um, so and that's for a receiver. So you you know, you get teams trading up for a bunch of stuff. So I think that, yeah, if those two aren't there, you 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 call 
you call some people, you know, you call the Panthers, honestly, and, and you say, hey, you need Will Levis? Or have you say, you know, you, you just do it, you know, because the Panthers need need their quarterback. This what, next what, was one, the, what was the second part of that question? Oh, my there? bad. Yes, there was two parts. How did I forget? Second part is Richardson. You think it'd be a perfect fit to sit and learn behind Geno? Chris, have you watched a little bit of this guy, Anthony Richardson from Florida? I have not, not yet. Okay, how do I want to? How do I want to? Okay, the Josh, the well, the the Josh Allen comp is is like is one that you seek a little bit because he is so. There's so many adjectives for this kid. Let's go with uh, volatile. Let's go with that. You might have a you might see a play. Have you seen any of his highlights? I've seen highlights, but I haven't do- I haven't dove into it as much yet. I just seen you know a, a YouTube highlight. I'm like, oh okay. Yeah, so he'll have a highlight where he like spins out of three tackles and then runs sixty yards for a touchdown, and then he might have a play where he just like misses a read and throws the ball directly to the other team or something. Very like Josh Allen like. <laughs> exactly, very early Josh Allen in particular, and Josh still does some of that stuff too. That's like, why they're not in the in the Super Bowl. <laughs> correct. Well, that's one one of the reasons. Turns out Von Miller getting hurt did matter quite a bit. Um, yeah. So they have a few reasons, but that's not the comp. That's the comp, but it's not, I don't, that's like sometimes comps can be unfair. Cause I think you would like this guy cause he's got a really strong arm and he can move, man. He's like, it's like what we saw on Saturday with our quarterback when we play in our flag game. Yes. I'm <laughs> just talking, a lesser just, version. <laughs> yeah. He's big. I don't know what the measurements are on Richardson, but he's not like a small guy like Kyler. Like he, okay. he's big dude can run like Justin Fields, which is a crazy thing to say, but you know what I mean? Like he can run like Justin launch that thing. And then might throw the ball to the other team, you know, or that's, do a, some, that's a big problem. <laughs> you, you, you play Madden, right? So he's, he's like a guy who might have a couple plays a game where it's like, did his controller freeze? <laughs> you know, I don't play video games, but I, you know, I'm used to enough to know that reference. So yeah, he's one of them guys. So I, I bring that up so you can have the context of So this. it sounds like it's the battle of the bees, boom or bust here. <laughs> he very much is. I was talking to a general manager um, in in Mobile when I was down there. I was like, we're talking, we're talking about a bunch of stuff. And it came up my opinion on Anthony. I was like, whoever takes that kid is going to win executive of the year in two years, or they're going to be fired mm. in two years. I really don't think there's a middle. Like I do think that like you, when you put your eggs in that basket, you are either going to hit it, or like you said, it's everybody's out of there in a couple of years, back to college, back to work <laughs> with the Patriots, or wherever they wherever they came from. Like he feels like that type of prospect, and every wow. every prospect is not that to me because I don't think every prospect wins you executive of the year. Like I think taking Matt Jones, Mac Jones, for example, there was no chance to win executive of the year off of like the strength of that pick. Nor where I think you get fired for taking like a Mac Jones, particularly where you took him. This dude though. Yeah, now nah, he seems like he's gonna he's gonna get you to the promised land. <laughs> gonna get y'all to the unemployment line. Uh, like so, I bring all that up to say I'm not in favor of him sitting behind Gino because that kid is too much fun. You gotta play a dude like that. I'm trying to think of a team that could, like the Panthers should just go ahead and take him and just let God take the wheel. You know, let Frank Wright get a hold of him and let him throw bombs to DJ Moore. You know, behind behind a pretty decent O line too, uh, out there in Carolina. I think I think that should be the way to go. So no, I don't think the Seahawks should have him sit. Um, I'm not just not a big fan of guys sitting anyway, because the benefit of a guy being young and cheap is you finding out if he's good along the way. Like I think one thing that the Jets should 
be happy with and the Jets fans should too is that they found out that Zach Wilson isn't it and it took him two years. You don't want a Jordan Love situation. You don't even want like a who else? Chris, who did I mention earlier? When we we're talking about this. That like, it was. I thought it was just those two. Was it? Was it just Jordan Love? It was Jordan. Like, no, it was Jordan Love, and it was who you just, <laughs> Zach Wilson. That those are the yeah. two today. Yeah, I just there's value, and you have to play the guy to see if he's the future because it's not just you're not just guaranteed to win a Super Bowl because he's good. Like look at look at the Chargers. They've been they've had three years of Justin Herbert. They know he's very good and have won no playoff games. <laughs> zero that is insane yeah it's like it's not enough you have to play the guy to find out you know if he's if he's good you know you don't want that packer situation like mac jones is another example yeah like they played him so they kind of have an eval the the weird ones where you get with like the two uh jalen hurts where you throw him in there in the middle of the rookie year or something because somebody got hurt justin fields was like that too no play the guy and if you if you give gino a multi-year deal and you take anthony at 20 there's that means Anthony just rides the pine, you know, and I don't think there's not as much value as you guys think in riding the pine. There are, there is some, but there's nothing like live bullets, nothing. Mm. So yeah, play. No, he, Anthony, Anthony's too fun to sit on the bench. Y'all yeah, go YouTube that Chris, I'm going to send you some stuff after this. Cause that brother is fun. This next one comes from Eddie Goodman at E D W Goodman thoughts about taking a shot on Hendon hooker was looking like, an above-average QB before the ACL injury and also out of the SEC. Yeah, I think you can get a quarterback from anywhere. I don't. There are some spots where I'm like, okay, you played in the SEC. Um, but I don't necessarily need my quarterback to have played in that competition because sometimes when you play with those guys, sometimes the receivers around you are so goddamn good that it also throws off the eval. Um, I don't think it threw off like a Joe Burrow eval, but like – you did have to really know what you were looking at because it wasn't just the numbers. Like, well, he was throwing to Justin Jefferson and uh, who, who, who was the other? Chase. He was throwing to, they were on the same college team. I would have thrown 60 touchdowns too, you know, throwing to them, handing off to Clyde Edwards-Alaire too. Crazy. You know, you look at some of the receivers that these Bama quarterbacks have had, you know, so uh, – and them dudes is wide open. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of taking Hooker, which, man – I don't know if kids, Chris, do you know if kids are still mean? Like little kids, like middle school, like kids in my middle school are really mean. So if you had a name like Hooker or Bush or, or I don't know, just a gay. name that you made fun of. Yeah, yeah, last name was Gay, you know, like. I, to answer your question, I, kids are still kind of mean. They're still mean like that. I know yeah. you work with kids, so that's why. Yeah, I, as a mentor, I, get, I, I hear stories about some of these kids. But then sometimes I'm like, stop being a little punk. Like what? You get teased about that. You know, I had to go through short jorks from like second grade to eighth grade. And then it didn't stop in high school. You know what I did? I just, you know, found out I can do something better and beat him at it. So <laughs> no, yeah. kids, kids is brutal, man. You get a name like Hooker. Yeah. Like, well, back in the day, I feel like what we went through was brutal. What they're going through is like, really? That's why you're crying. All right, bro. Wipe your nose and let, let's let's figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> but continue. Nah. They got to deal with cyberbullying. We had to deal with real bullying. Man, cyberbullying. Man, what did Chris Rock say? We need bullies. <laughs> Chris Rock had a great explanation as to why we need bullies. Imagine your child never gets bullied. He gets punked at his first job. How do you think that's going to go for him? Yeah, there, there are some life lessons to be learned. <laughs> you I, need I, bullies. You need assholes in this life. Yeah, and even if we didn't need them, we're going to have them. Uh, <laughs> that was Chris Rock's entire point. You yeah, think because you're a child, you're not going to get teased? Man, I wish they tease my child. I want him coming home in tears. That way, when he gets out <laughs> of the world, he's not going to be 
it's he's used to it. Chris Rock, he, he had a famous line. He tells his kids before they leave the house, you ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your daddy, yeah, but you ain't done nothing worth, you ain't nothing. That, I'm just like, you know what? That's a fair point. You instill that in your kid now, that way when little Phil over here is cracking jokes, little your son's just like, or daughter's like, what? My dad tells me I ain't shit. Who are you? <laughs> wow, that is some parenting one-on-one from Chris Rock. I would not have thought that his parenting plan would have crept into the pod, but I well, just thought it's also a joke. Way. So maybe, uh, you know, don't take it all the way in. <laughs> nah, Chris, one's of them guys who's Chris, Chris Rock, that is Chris Rock, one of them guys who's, whose jokes are rooted in some truth. That's like, kinda, <laughs> that's like kind of his bag, you know, where his like jokes, is, they, they're funny because they're true. That's like kind of his, his thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I brought that up just because I think that last day I'm like, dang, man, kids must have just had a time. That kid probably knows how to fight. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that, that would be my guess. Anyway, the answer is no. I don't think that where you'd have to take him, which is probably what your second round pick, I would guess. I don't think that's worth it if you pay Gino. Like if you give Gino the long-term deal, I feel like it's very similar to 2012 with Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn in that like you you pay, if you pay that guy, you should wait until like round three to get the developmental guy, which is what they did with Russell. Took him in the third round. Um, so, but if you don't, let's say you only have like a guy who's a good example, like if the, the Titans, they still have Tannehill on the contract. If they were like, okay, we got Tannehill, but we only got him for another year. So let's take, let's take Hendon, have him learn from, or just not learn, but just have him on the roster developing for the low. And then we can just let Ryan bounce. And then we already got our high draft pick, you know, ready, ready to roll. Um, there's some other examples of teams doing that as well, but. You know, I could see like that's that's one that comes to mind. I think if the Lions were to do a similar thing, I don't know how long Jared's under contract, but let's say Jared was on the Jared Goff was on an expiring deal and they're like, hey, let's take Hendon. We don't got to play him now because he hurt. Um, and then next year, 2024, we don't have to take a guy. Although if Caleb Williams from USC is there, they should take him. But another discussion. So, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the Seahawks doing that if they pay if they pay Gino. I think you need too much other stuff to try to win right now. Um, then to take like a quarterback with like pick 50, whatever. I think that's a luxury at this point. This next one comes from Brian understanding that draft rankings will invariably change between now and the draft. How crazy is it to move up in the draft to get Carter or Anderson? Um, crazy is probably not the word I would use. Oh, Jesus Christ. Jared Goff is under contract forever. Um, yeah, sorry. I just had to look that. Oh, he doesn't have any guaranteed money after this. Um, it's a terrible contract by the Rams. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't trade up. Um, here's a scenario for the Seahawks, and we could, um, and this will be the case all all offseason, I believe. Here's what you're hoping for if you're a Seahawks fan. You hope that you get three quarterbacks go in the top four, and then one of Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter goes. That's your goal, is to get three quarterbacks but to go before the Seahawks are on the clock. If that and to do that to avoid that, yes, you could just trade up. But I'm not a big fan of what you'd have to give up. Like, there's been trades to move up like one spot or something like that. Because really, what you need to get to, you need to get to like pick four, probably, um, to get to guarantee you get Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. I think because the Seahawks need so much stuff, I, man, I get the I get the thinking, but I just wouldn't do it. Because like Chris, what do you think they probably got to give up? Give up their third round pick. Maybe. Yeah, you give me some picks. They're going to need to give something up. So maybe, would it be crazy to say a second round? Yeah, see, like if I call, say I'm the, uh, say I'm the Colts, right? Who, 
all right, actually, let's, let's, let's do out this scenario. The, the Colts trade up with the Bears. All right, so now the Bears have pick four, Colts have pick one, Colts pick, give me a quarterback, Bryce. They take Bryce. Take Bryce Young from Alabama. And then I think number two then is the Texans. Texas takes C.J. Stroud. All right, so now you know that probably the Bears or the Cardinals could easily just take Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. So you got to – if you're the Seahawks, you're like, all right, we got to call the Bears to see if they'll give us, you know, uh, pick uh, – if they give us pick four. The Bears know who you want, and they want the same guy. You want to dry that price up. And if they're like, hey, man, we need pick 52, mm. I'm not doing that. That's tough. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm definitely not giving you any future nothing. No future firsts anyway. I give you like future. See, I don't even know if I want to give you like future second. Maybe I would. Maybe I give you future second. But it would have to start with our third round pick. And if you want anything higher, I'm hanging up. You know, so we'll <laughs> on, do not disturb, and we you know let you be blessed. So, no, it's not crazy. Whoever I forget who you said asked that. It's not crazy. I just I'm just not a big fan of it. Like those, you can get quality guys. I'm I'm more fan of a, a, a trading back. That I am trading, trading up, even though, like I said earlier, there is believed to be a gap between Jalen and Will versus the rest of the defensive players, and that's fine. But I'm, I don't think it's enough to go up for for either guy. This next one comes from Mookie Alexander. Which position do you think the Seahawks will look to address more through free agency than the draft? Okay, we both have position groups on this. Um, who you uh, you go ahead, you go first. Well, who we both there? agreed that we had the same answer, but yes, oh, that's right, we did. That's what it was. It was it was linebacker, and yeah. for one, Jordan Brooks, he's hurt out until Mike. You talked about off wax, said maybe Halloween, so so sometime in November is best guess, right? So from that point on, I don't, if I were the Seahawks, I wouldn't want to draft the guy because the thing is. We'll get into this later with more questions, but the opportunities to win right now, if you take a young guy, you got to coach him up. Granted, you could take a starting caliber linebacker, but you need him to be pretty much elite. And the tough part is it's a brand new game. It's very rare that, you know, you're going to draft a guy that knows what he's doing off the jump and is going to be your starter and he's going to be an impact player. Chances are he's going to have a lot of bad days. He's going to have more bad days than he has good days. And in that scenario, if I'm the Seahawks, I want to get a veteran. And there's a few guys I touched, I think the last podcast we did, I, I said, I mentioned who the Seahawks should go out and get. And Mike has since agreed with that stance of going out and getting a Niners linebacker. I'm drawing a blank on his name That's already. Yes, that is someone who could come in familiar with the West Coast and probably Pete's defense because guess what the Niners did this year? They just played cover three and said, well, can you beat us? That's what they did. Something the Seahawks have done in the past when they had the Legion of Boom. So with that being said, to answer the question, it's linebacker. And I think you definitely have to go through free agency as opposed to the draft because in free agency, you can land a veteran that understands and knows his responsibility and he can come in and give you that win first mentality and put potentially opportunity for this team to go back to the Super Bowl. Whereas with the rookie, you're hoping he can be this elite talent, but you also are playing a game of, damn, I don't know. <laughs> There's growing pain. So I do like the fact in this scenario, that if you do go and get a veteran, he knows and understands his role, and he can definitely get this team to the next level until Jordan Brooks is healthy. And even then, maybe you can play musical chairs and you can move guys around. But I would definitely go through free agency and look to get an inside linebacker. Yeah, that's one. Inside linebacker would probably be the – yeah, I forgot we agreed on that. There's also some, de some decent guys. I was texting somebody earlier – 
I was like, the inside linebacker, like, free agency group is not great. And then I, I did a little bit more digging. Um, I was like, oh, it's not too bad. Like, I don't think uh, the Seahawks – actually, I'm pretty confident the Seahawks wouldn't do something like break the bank for, like, Tremaine Edmonds, for example. But, like, yeah, I was like, oh, you pick up Aziz, you know, roll with that. Um, I even think that the Eagles are probably in a position where they can't keep uh, Kaiser White, if I'm saying his name right, or, and TJ Edwards. Probably have to lose one of those guys, especially since they drafted N'Kobe Dean from Georgia last year and probably just want to see N'Kobe in year two just be the guy. Um, very similar to, like, a Jordan Brooks, KJ Wright, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner type thing. Um, so you probably can go pick up one of those dudes. And I, I still think you do got to draft a guy. But this doesn't this doesn't mean you have to draft a guy super high which is probably what they probably don't want to do um, because of all the other needs that they have uh, in the, in the trenches. So I do think they're going to address it in the draft too. But if there is a position, I think this was Mookie's question. Yep. Was that correct? Yeah. To Mookie's point, if there was a position is like, okay, maybe we hit this with a vet, spend a couple, you know, grab a couple guys. And so we're not desperate in the draft. That would be one. I think the honorable mention too is interior defensive line. Like to some other guys, also within the division, I've noticed a trend of the Seahawks picking up guys in the division. I'm sure you guys have kind of picked up on that as well. Uh, I could see them going after one of the two of uh, Ashawn Robinson or Greg Gaines down in the Rams. I, I don't think the Rams can afford both. Like that credit card bill is going to come due for the Rams at some point. <laughs> like <laughs> the Saints too. Like it, eventually it just comes. Um, and every once in a while those teams lose a guy or something. It's usually not a big guy, but they lose a guy or two. And they probably can't, just like the Eagles, I said they probably don't want, probably can't keep TJ and, and White, probably can't keep Ashawn and, and Greg. So you bring one of those guys over, perhaps, or even if you go to like, oh, we bring back Jay Reed or something like that. Even even um, Dalvin Thompson uh, and uh, where's he at? I think the Vikings. Like there's some options there too, um, because the Seahawks, again, are probably not going to be in a, a position where they want to draft that position very high. Um, it's not something they've done a ton. You know, you look at some of the guys that they've that they've had starting in that spot. And I'm talking about interior D line. Have had a ton of high draft picks. Um, so especially if they're like, if we can get if we get Jalen and pair him with a vet, uh, we can be in a good spot there. Uh, a vet in free agency, I mean. So and I do think that uh, we can talk about this a little later in the pod too. A lot of the cap casualty potential guys are. In, in on the Seahawks team, they're at the interior D line, so they then may need bodies in free agency to fill that. You know what I mean? Like if they're like, all right, Puna's a free agent, Brian Monet's got a torn ACL. Uh, we save like four million if they wanted to cut Q. They save like nine million if they wanted to cut Shelby. Okay, well that's four of your like uh, what six or whatever rotational guys. It's really that means you're only bringing back Al Woods. You know, so you if you do all that stuff, you need some bodies. So I do think that. Uh, D-line, interior D-line is also a possibility, but like, let's make sure we got some bodies before we go into the drafts. We ain't got to take three, uh, you know, interior guys in the draft. Remember that year they took three? Because they've had they've had years like that. Like, I think the year Marshawn retired, they took three running backs. And then the year the year Doug Ball retired, they took three receivers. Like, I don't think they want to be in that spot with interior D-line. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This next one comes from at Yang underscore 10. Do you think Rashad Penny resigns with the Seahawks? Hmm. What do you think, Chris? I'm curious. On your I think he does. I think the Seahawks really like this guy. It's unfortunate what has happened year in and year out. And I don't think the Seahawks want to quote unquote, give up on the guy and let him go elsewhere. Now, how much they're going to pay him. <laughs> I do not know because that, that becomes tricky because he's not available as much as you'd want him. But again, Pete Carroll and this staff, they they love what he brings to the team when he's healthy. I think he's a solid locker room guy. I haven't heard anything to say otherwise. And he's a cool dude. So I would really think the Seahawks would look to resign him. And I think Penny also wants to return to Seattle is another factor as well. I guess we'll just see how it plays out. To be honest, I thought last year he was probably end up leaving and they was able to they were able to figure it out. So here we are again. Another injury. Can the Seahawks can they come to an agreement to keep him? I would like to think yes. So here's what I I think he he'll have a shot to come back, but I do think it would be with the understanding that like okay now you are in like compete for your job mode, um, with like all right Ken because Ken's here and there's not really a lot of reason to take the ball out of Ken's hands. So, uh, but then again they just saw Ken can get hurt at any time. Take one little thing, step the wrong way, you play at SoFi. You know that's the, that turf is hard on guys. Um, so I do think they could be in a situation where like, all right, Rashad, you can, you know, pull, pull back up. Here's, here's a contract, but like, they wouldn't tell him this, but I could see them like thinking in their minds, like, Hey, if we draft some guy from, say we take a guy, we got Ken, we bring it back. DJ, some of these other guys, DJ Dallas, that is some of these other guys we got. And if we gets down to cut down day in August, he, he could be a guy who we, you know, we move on from these rookies are showing out. Um, and I, I just don't think the demand will be very high. Like, I do think, like, if if someone's going to take a chance on Rashad again after all these injuries, which, again, are unfortunate, like you mentioned, if someone does take a chance, it will be the team that knows him the best. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just think that they'll probably protect themselves. And they can, they can afford to do that a little bit more now, knowing that they have Ken. Ken changes the math on all of that. Ken could be one of the best backs in the league for the next couple of years, uh, you know, with the, his explosiveness and all that good stuff. So, and he can catch. Yeah, it could get it could get crazy. It could get spooky. So, yeah, I think he'll be back. But the team, if he does, if he is back, they're gonna protect the hell out of himself themselves. And if he is back, I don't think there's a guarantee that he's on the roster because um, he doesn't play special teams either. So you got to factor into that. You know, they got you got to fill out your team with guys on special teams as well. That's not like a big deal. But it low key is um, when you're trying to fill out your your roster and you're looking at how much guys cost and you lose a guy like Travis Homer potentially who's a big special teamer you know stuff like that. So 
I think he'll be back, but no guarantee that he's back. And then also makes it through cut down day either. What's the plan at linebacker? With Brooks ACL tear, will Barton be the starter until Brooks is healthy? Yeah, that's a tough one. We were talking, me and Chris were talking about this before we recorded. Because uh, Chris mentioned I'm kind of like guesstimating. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm kind of guesstimating or if I was them, like, all right, maybe we can expect Jordan back in October. Because when he he has surgery on like January like 19th. So Halloween would be what, 10 months? Something like that. Is that nine months? I forget how to count months. Like, do I count? Right, we'll, we'll just say nine to ten months. How about that? Let me, see. Right, let me let me see. February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Yeah. So somewhere in that range would be like a, a loose guess. This is not anything on like anyone's told me. That's just kind of how ACLs can you know can work. So that's 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 tough. My plan. You know, here's what I would do. I think the Seahawks are still working through this. My plan would be to sign Bro from a San Fran disease. Uh, you draft my man Dayon Henley from Washington State. Go Cougs. Uh, you draft him. Uh, you uh, restricted free agent Tanner Muse. You can hit him with the original round tender. I think it's about like two million bucks. You bring back Tanner. And then by then you got three guys. Uh, you know, you got a you got a young rookie guy you can develop. You got Tanner who knows your system. You got a vet who's not costing you a ton. And then you know Jordan's gonna come back. Jordan didn't die, you know, so he's still on the team. Uh, and if you need to, you still have either one because one thing I've been worried about, Chris, with the linebacker position is someone to call the plays. Um, I don't know how well equipped a new guy would be to do that. Um, you would want a veteran, I think, to do that, not a rookie. Um not to say someone like Dayon couldn't try it, but you think preferably you want someone who's done it before. Um, but I think in the event of my plan there, you could have one of your safeties do it. You have Quan, you give Quandre the green dot, and you just go from there. Quandre, Jamal, one of those two guys, I think, could easily hold on to that role at least until Jordan gets back, and then you you get you give it back to Jordan. So that would be my plan. What do you think, Chris? Grade my plan. Give me give me a grade if you're my my scouting professor. What do you think of my linebacker plan? You you pointed out some flaws in your plan, so I'm going to give you a C. <laughs> the Damn. one thing, yes, you passed. What you tripping for? Yeah, that's you, true. You I did. I did. <laughs> the, I'm the only like is, that, but I, but I passed. <laughs> the one thing is the play calling issue. You know, you you bring in a guy that a new guy that is, and if it is Shire, God, am I saying his name? I should probably pull it up so I can look at it. If it See, is the home. Aziz, the, oh, I guess I, you can't see that I have it right now. So my bad. I'm, I'm looking at it, so I'm thinking you can see it. You can't. <laughs> if you do have him, I think that brings it maybe to a B. But if you bring in, let's say you just re, you redo it with Tanner, that's a guy that really hasn't done it but one game without two games. That was the Niners and the playoff game, the Niners and the game previous, the last game of the season against the Rams, which was a bunch of backups. I, so think, Cody, I think Cody called the plays in those games. Oh, it was Cody? Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, well then – Scrap all that. Let's just assume Cody's not on the team for whatever reason, okay? They don't re-sign him, whatever the case may be. So now you're left with Tanner. You draft a guy. That is a big gap in an area where you need someone that you can trust to do the job. Now, this will lead to the next question, which shout out to Brian Mitchell for that one. So that's why I gave you a C because I just it's just unknown. Unless you, you bring wait, it in. Do you have Aziz in my plan? My, Aziz is in my plan, by the way. Well, then that, that's a B. So oh, we'll, we'll, here we go. Okay. 
see, I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I got Aziz, Tanner, and Dan. And Dayon. Oh, they draft Dayon. Okay. So yeah. then we'll go to the next question. This is from, because this kind of ties it all in. This is from Jared. Is Cody Barton as trashy as some think? And then the second part is who's one current player you would be surprised to see on the team when training camp starts? So the whole Cody Barton scenario. Yeah, this is like we could do a whole pod on Cody. Cody is not as bad as everyone thinks. Correct. The thing is, not everybody watched the full game, I would say, of Cody. You only saw the the lows. He struggled to start the season, which, to be fair, I understand why he struggled. It's his first time starting. My man has sat behind Bobby Wagner for the up to this point when he started. There's only so much you can learn by standing on the sideline and watching. Correct. So you have to be out there and experience it, go through it. And he did those things. Your first, maybe not your first article that you wrote on the team to start the season, but one of your articles during the season, I think it was maybe after the Detroit game, he was, you mentioned how many times he's been targeted and the completion rated rate when he was targeted. Teams were 12 for 11, I think it was 11, 11 or 12 for 12 when throwing his way. Meaning, if you want to get a first down, you want a completion, you just attack Cody. And what I was watching on film was a guy that was just unsure. Like he knew where he needed to be, but the lack of playing time that he has had, has had his inability to pick it up so quickly had him out there where he was just in areas where he should have been, but he wasn't in. And you could see like, Ooh, he's getting there, but he's not there. As the season progressed, he was able to cover said holes. He was able to fill Make plays, bat passes down, hell, pick off Tom Brady. Those are things that he picked up on as the season progressed. So he got better, but is his best what the Seahawks need to be a Super Bowl contender? That is another discussion that we'll have to have once we figure out what this team looks like come, what, July, August. We'll see, okay, this is the roster they're going with. If Cody's a part of the plan, then they still believe that there is room for this guy to grow and he can make this team better because I thought he improved week in and week out. I get it. And when you see it on the, when you're watching the game, you're like, good Lord, man, what is, what is he doing? But understand this is his first time doing it. He's going to make those mistakes. But as I watched him week by week, he got better and better and got more familiar with what the coaches were asking him. He was able to run up the seam with a wide receiver or a tight end. Those are things that when you're first doing it, it's like, this feels weird. It doesn't look right. And that's where you get the comments on Twitter like, dude, what is he doing? But I thought he got better, and he's he's not that bad. He just needs to hone in on things that he's not as good at and get better at it and better at it. And from there, we'll see what he can do. In general, I don't think any player is as bad as their fan base thinks he is or as good as the fan base thinks he is. I think that's usually the – generally the – that this probably applies for basketball too. I don't know as much about baseball fans in – the players but just generally speaking like usually a guy is not as good as the fans think he is nor is he as bad as the fans think he is generally there are some exceptions to those rules um but i think cody falls into that he's like he's fine he's he's a fine player i think he, i did i think he did get better like quite a few things but there was some there were some lows uh, oh yeah we, we we saw the lows my we we've had conversations like <laughs> what's going on here 
I do, I do think too that um, you, you he was probably one of the victims of um, how powerful the media can be in assessing players. So like you had, for example, and this is not to say this is his fault, but KJ was on the radio every Wednesday, right? And so when the linebackers weren't playing well, you were getting a lot of linebacker commentary directed at those guys. So like that was probably not helping. Because generally speaking, guys don't know that much about linebacker play. Like fans don't just like, oh yeah, you know, he didn't fill that, you know, gap. He's the, you know, he's the fill guy. He's the spill guy. No one really knows all that stuff. But like KJ was breaking it down every week when they were playing bad. So it really, and it was just public for, you know, it was available for public consumption every Wednesday. So that was very tough uh, on that position in particular. I think that also skewed it a little bit because like fans generally don't know the intricacies though of damn near any position really uh like going back uh so for for those guys that was really that was that was tough uh i think so yeah nah, he's not as bad as people think uh i still wouldn't he's not in my resign plan but you know he's he's fine if if he if somebody got hurt and you're like all right man 57 come on in i think you could get by but if that's like your number one guy i mean we saw the playoff game i don't think he or tanner played particularly well I think they attacked that level of the defense over and over again and had like 500 yards of offense. You know, so like I think legitimately they had like 500. So yeah, no, that's his reason why he's not in, in my plan, but you're right. Not as bad as people think. And the part two was one current player. You'd be surprised to see on the Seahawks to start training camp for 2023. Yeah. Mine would, mine would probably be Gabe um, just because you got a combination of age Injury and salary. Those are usually the guys that you can point to as cap casualties. I think Gabe's cap hit is like 11 or 12 million, something like that. Uh, and if you release him or trade him, uh, you save like six and a half. And, and it's not that like Gabe's like, ah, oh, man, he's the worst player in the world. It's just when you, when we have to, not we, when the team has to manage your injuries, like I don't think Gabe ever practiced on like Thursdays, maybe it was either Thursdays or Wednesdays. He had always had like a vet day off because of the knee. And that's one thing. But when they also have to manage you in a game too, that's just a tricky thing. Like that's, that's hard to play at premium for. Like I think Gabe played like 60% of the snaps and Phil Haynes played like another 40, you know? So it's like, okay, well, Phil's 27 and doesn't have this issue and he can just routinely play an entire game. You know, at that point it just becomes like who can be on the field for how long and how much that should cost us. Six and a half million is honestly not that much bread uh, to spend, but it is if you're a part-time guy at age, whatever, you know, uh, I think Gabe will be 32 um, in, in this next season. So it's not like ancient, but yeah, I think that he's, he's a candidate if they want to squeeze out some bread as a cap casualty for sure. This next one comes from Aki Fairbanks, Aki Soba underscore. It's kind of fire right there. Aki Soba. Oh, what are the, yes, I just put that together. Yeah. <laughs> right. What are the best things the defense can do to improve for next season? Add players through draft, reagency, change scheme, technique. What you got, Mike? What are you thinking? Um, Combination yeah. of everything? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the main thing they need is guys who are – this is so simple. But, like, guys who are good at both things, right? Like, play, I was looking at some numbers, and I've already known this from the film and stuff too, but, like, they have some – they have guys like – like DT, really good rushing the passer. Dale Taylor, that is, yes. Yeah, Dale Taylor. Dale Taylor was really solid rushing the passer later on in the year. Not as good playing the run. And then you got, like, Shelby Harris, whose numbers against the run and his film against the run was really, really, really good. Probably one of the best on the team, actually. 
not offering you as much in the pass game. Quentin Jefferson was like the opposite. Quentin was one of their best pass rushers besides Chen. I would actually call Quentin their second best pass rusher this year. But Quentin's numbers and, and stuff in the run, not as great. Al Woods giving you a lot in the run game, not as much in the pass game. So it's like you needed guys who could do both, like Chenna. Chenna was good in the run and defending the pass, it's like consistently at both. Quandre Diggs was also consistent at both. Ryan Neal was relatively consistent at both. The same goes for Michael Jackson for most of the year. Like you need – they just need more guys who are good at both of those things because if you're not, you'll get exploited at the other thing you're not good at by the good teams later in the year. Like it's not going to be every week, every play, you're going to get – exploited but like as we get later into the seasons like the teams that have the good coaches and the you know the good front lines or whatever good receiver whatever it is good scheme good play caller they're gonna find out that oh man you got like three dudes to whose best thing ain't the run so anytime you put them on the field on first or second down or third and short we're coming at them and you could see those problems reoccurring with the, with the seahawks so i think that that's the goal i mean that's the goal for every team but like if you ask me, like, oh, what do you do? Yeah, you need to get you somebody who can do both, right? That's a little, like, meme or, like, saying thing on social media, get you someone who could do both. That's what they need. I think one of the issues there and why Pete used the word dynamic in his post-game press or his post-season press conference was with that in mind. It was like, yo, we got we got a bunch of dudes who's good at, like, a part of this. You know, they can they can play the run or they can play the pass or they can do whatever. It's like, no, no, no. We need guys who, can, who are dynamic at both. And the problem with that is – the guys who are dynamic at both usually go in the first and second rounds. You know, I, I have a um, – I'm sure – I don't know if you guys follow this dude, Brandon Thorne, uh, on Twitter. He does the Trench uh, Warfare newsletter. It breaks down O-line play and D-line play really good. It's like a little sub-stack thing you got to pay for. Uh, I charge it to the company. But, like, I, one of the things he does is he, like, charts out all the D-line guy stuff and who has, like, a high-quality sack, a low-quality sack – who has like a cleanup sack and he charts it all, puts the, puts videos in there and stuff like that. Anyway. And he ranks all the best guys, give them a sack score. I'm not, the point of that is that also what he includes in there, which is really good in the chart is where guys were drafted. And so I was looking at it the other day. And like, I think when he, he ranks like the top 32 interior defensive linemen on their pass rush or sack score. And I think the only guy who wasn't a first or second round pick was like Quentin Jefferson. Uh, actually, do I have it in front of me? I do. Uh, yeah. So no, it's uh, who's this right here? Danico Autry, uh, Dwayne Smoot from the Jaguars, David Onion something from the Saints, Morgan Fox from the Chargers. So that's like it's a handful of guys. But for the most of the guys who are in like the top ten, top fifteen, are first or second round picks, and then you get outliers like a Javon Hargrave or something like that. Or, uh, yeah, Javon Hargrave, I think was third-round pick. My point being is, to get the dynamic guys, you have to spend the draft picks, typically. Or you have to trade for them or whatever, pay them in free agency. So that's tough. But the goal should be to get as many of those guys who could do both. That should be the goal for the defense this offseason. This next one comes from Phil Leidick. Where is the best value in free agency? Chris, this is a great question. The answer is there is none. Mm. Like there's really just not because the, if you think about it, the good players hit don't hit free agency. The really good ones, typically, every once in a while you get like a Chenna, or um, these last few years have been a little weird because you had all these teams that were all of a sudden ha- holding all these bad contracts because of COVID. 
because all of the contracts in the, in the NFL are structured, assuming that the cap will rise incrementally each year. Well, then in 2020, it just dropped. Right? So it's like, oh, shit. And now we expected this guy's cap hit to be like 12% of the cap in 2020. Now that shit is like 19. Well, we're going to cut him now. You know, it's like you get like a James Bradbury situation who was cut last year, but to, for the same, for a similar reason uh, by the Giants. So other than like the cap casualty guys, most of the good players are either acquired by trade or the draft. You know, it's not like you're, you're not finding many superstars. Like the, the Chiefs got Tooney, their, uh, their guard, who's a stud. They got him in free agency. Uh, I think last year, I, forget, I think he played for the Patriots before that. But for the most part, it's not many all pro guys like go down the list of all, all the all pros this year and look how many were acquired as a unrestricted free agent. A lot of those guys are going to be acquired via trade or draft. Right. So that that's, that's the tough part. So when I was looking at free agency, I looked at every spot. I was like, there's not a lot of value at any spot. Like if you do get a guy who's good, chances are Chris, you're going to have to pay what it costs to get him. You know what I mean? And that's not really value to me. I feel like the only value you might find, if there is a position, because I didn't want to give this person an answer. You probably agree with me on this, Chris, is running back. Because mm. they don't cost a ton. And they 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 outperform their contracts probably probably better than anyone in the league, I would probably They always say. do. Yeah, like the, <laughs> but then the running back outperforms the shit out of those contracts. But then you remind you're reminded as to why you just go get another running back once thing gets tough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> if they're outperforming them on a veteran deal, they damn sure outperform them on a rookie deal. Exactly. You know? So that's let me actually I I'm gonna look at the list real quick because I remember the list really supporting that right so like Saquon Saquon if he has free agency I would be surprised if he makes more than the tag but even if he does I would imagine him being an outlier right yeah. someone like Josh Jacobs is probably not gonna make more than the tag he just led the league in rushing man like that's an All Pro player who. If you look at what other all-pro players would get on the market at their positions, it's ridiculous bread. For Josh Jacobs, it might cost you $10 million uh. to have Josh. Like, that's that's a really good example. Or even, like, uh, Deontay Foreman, who's beast. He has some beastly games this year. Miles Sanders. Like, I'm looking at some of these dudes. You could put these guys behind a good old line, and they could get busy, man. Mostert. I think Jamal Williams, didn't he just break Barry Sanders' record? Yeah, he went insane. <laughs> He was scoring every week, man. And Jamal Williams will probably cost the team what seven million bucks, maybe. So yeah, if there is value, it is at it is at running back. But even then, like Chris, uh, like I say every year, just draft the next dude from Bama, and eventually you'll get a thousand yard rusher. Do that every year. This next one comes from Dartanian. Do you think Tyreek Smith will be a factor next season, considering the Seahawks have Daryl Taylor? Mafe, Genuosu, and potentially some of our top picks being first or second round on the D-line next season. So read me the name of who asked that again? Dartanian. I think I'm not even going to try that. But I think that question was asked because they kind of <laughs> know that the answer is no. Like, that mm. felt like a question in the back end of it. It was like, oh, damn, this answer is probably no, huh? Because the more you think about it, you expect Tyreek to be involved. I think it was like a fifth-round pick last year. Had like a hip groin thing. As, a, as someone whose hip and groin usually routinely hurts, by the way, after I play football, I can see why Pete just calls them all the same thing. My <laughs> hip and my groin be on fire after I play sometimes. So I can see, and my, my little therabody gun thing broke. So my stuff really be on fire. So I can see why Pete just calls it hip groin, because you're right. All that shit hurts. <laughs> you don't know where the pain coming from. It all just hurts. Uh, but I think for all those reasons, 
that uh, that were thrown into the back of that question, the answer is probably no. It's because here's the difference. This is why draft capital, like draft status matters and why like everyone being considered equal on a team is complete bullshit. Like Daryl Taylor, when he missed his rookie year, there was urgency to make sure he was involved in the game plan, make sure he was up to speed, make sure he was ready to be a potential starter in 2021. That urgency would probably not exist with Tyreek because he simply because he was a fifth round pick. Like they obviously want him to contribute. They drafted him, but it's not the same. It's not the same when a first round pick. That's why it's so hard for the seventh round picks to make the team. Right? Because no one, one cares how many reps you get in camp. You just get on special teams and be a gutter. Right. But when you're a first round pick, it's like, eh, we don't really care if you play special teams. You know what I'm saying? Like the Jets don't really care if Garrett Wilson plays special teams, right? I don't need him as a gunner. But if they took Garrett Williams or yeah, Garrett Wilson, excuse me, uh, with pick like 178 in the fifth round, oh, Garrett would have been covering some punts, right? And it, it wouldn't have been the urgency to make sure he gets on the field and gets the reps. So I think Tyreek is probably going to fall victim to that for the reasons mentioned in the question. You're probably going to have who are all the guys again? You got DT and Shenna and Boye right there. Yeah. That's all dudes. Those are all second round picks, by the way. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so you got all them dudes, and yeah, they might pick up a guy. Like, what if they get Will Anderson? They're gonna make sure Will Anderson gets some reps over Tyreek. That's four dudes right there. I feel like we're missing somebody else who was on the team last year too. Oh, Alton Robinson. Like, oh, yeah. even, even that might be a guy when his knee heals up. You know, even Bam Johnson. Uh, his name's Daryl Johnson on the roster, but Bam Johnson. Um, he's a guy. He comes back. Like, just the line. He's gonna be in the back of the line, and not. That's not even a talent thing. It's just like what people. It's just a resource allocation thing. They're going to want to see Tyreek, but they're going to probably ask him to be, be on special teams more than anything else uh, to start. So uh, hopefully he balls out, though, because they could if they could pop like that's one of those uh, people keep asking us how they can get like their their roster up to speed really fast. It's to have a fifth round pick like that turn into a guy like 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 the other Tariq did, like Tariq turn it into a dude as a fifth round pick. Well, that helps you. You know, so yeah, hopefully he pops as a fifth round pick, Tariq Smith. That is, I screwed up, Mike. I forgot to ask this question when we were talking about the draft, but I'll go ahead and squeeze it in now. This is from at Team Mike 206. Who stood out to you at the senior bowl during the weekend? All right, let me bring up my notepad, put my glasses back on for this. Oh, one. Lord, now put my other glasses back on because the other ones I, I was hurting my eyes. You, it was like three. Oh, okay, so, those are cool. I can live with those. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, it was some cheap ass glasses. I got there from the Dollar Tree. Um, <laughs> all right, here we're going through my notes. All right, Dayon Henley, Dayon Henley, and Dayon Henley. <laughs> that was clever. Uh, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, for real though. Dayon was a baller, man. Me and Chris are two kooks, so I'm, I'm biased to the Washington State guys, but no, objectively speaking, no, there were he was one of the two guys, um, from the senior bowl. Uh, at linebacker, there were two linebackers that stood out to me. Ivan Pace Jr., I think it's from Indiana, and then Deion Henley from Washington State. Uh, both of those guys really good in the pass rush stuff, um, which is just a hard drill for running backs. God bless them. That looks like one of them drills that turns kids into baseball players as a, as a, as a key, like when they try out for football in like middle school, they do that drill and be like, all right, let me see if I can pitch because <laughs> this hurts. Uh, but Deion was really good in that, and Deion looks so smooth in coverage. And that was the thing I wanted to see from him when I was uh, looking at guys I wanted to watch at the Senior Bowl because Deion can run and hit. That's not really a problem. Doesn't shed blocks as like physically as I'd like. He kind of like does does a little the little Kim to get around him uh, a little bit. You kind of see Jordan Brooks do some of that too. He had a little Kim like 
sliding around. Yes, he kind of does that a little bit. Uh, but down there, he was so comfortable, you know, in space. Like you look at some of his reps and some of the pass rush stuff. Maybe I'll tweet out some clips. Or excuse me, not pass rush. The one-on-ones with the running backs. He was winning. And Dan's a former receiver. So that makes sense that he was good at that. So he's a guy I like. That's why he was in my linebacker plan that you gave a, a C to. Um, I said I B, man. I corrected myself. Don't play yeah, that. I had to go to your office hours to get the grade changed. You're killing me. Uh, up front, though, uh, there was two guys I like. I like John Michael Schmitz, the center, I think from Minnesota he's from. Uh, loved him. I thought he was I thought he was really good just moving guys out the way. The pass, the pass pro stuff was like fine, but I was like, yo, you put him in the right scheme and ask him to block, he'll be solid. The same thing could be said for Osiris Torrance, the kid from Florida at guard, though. Uh, Michael Schmitz was a center, and then my man Osiris from Florida was the guard. And Chris, you you said you looked at some dudes too, right? A couple of the receivers that I mentioned. Once you mentioned Tank, even though he's you know <laughs> more like a Smallest dude named Tank you'll ever see. It's not a tank, dude. but I watched. <laughs> I I had his highlight tape on loop. Mm. The dude reminds me a lot of a mom Ross St. Brown. A little raw, but man, is he electrifying! He gets the ball, making dudes miss, stopping on a dime, catching the ball with his hands like he's confident, like as if he knows he's the best out there. And whoever mm. lines up against him, he can't be touched. And then I looked up his stats. He had seventeen touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. what <laughs> so yeah, getting in the end zone might not be a problem for him and i know mike hates the screen but if if there's one person that i believe can revitalize this quote-unquote non or lifeless screen game it's gotta be him so if there... quotes around that it's lifeless brother it's lifeless. <laughs> every now and then they get a, a screen for five yards <laughs> hey, that's positive, all right. But I love, I love his game. I know Mike and I. I know Mike specifically has touched on the Seahawks. Some need a third wide receiver that can really, he can do it all. Slot outside, and he can catch it in space. He can catch a screen and just go. This is someone that I think can. But I also talked to Mike about who the Seahawks currently have, and that was a wide receiver that when he got in, I thought he played okay, but. Derek Young, he is someone that I think there is plenty of potential. I don't know if Marquise Goodwin's coming back, but I thought he stepped up to the role and played hell of had a hell of a season. He got hurt at the end, so of course that didn't really help his didn't help him if he wants to return to the Seahawks. But I thought he did enough that okay, maybe we can bring him back. So that's what I would say in that regard, looking at just what the Seahawks could potentially need with his receiver. And I, I liked his I – li- once Mike said his name, I was like, let me see what this guy looks like, what he's doing. And boy, was he fun to watch. Like I said, I had his mixtape on loop. I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, he was good. Jaden, You'd like Jaden Reed, too, from Michigan State, another receiver. He was wearing number one. All the guys wearing number one was cooking. Uh, <laughs> you have to if you're wearing number one down there. I feel like you there just, you go. You can't uh, be number one and be ass. Exactly. Trey Tucker as well. I think he's from Cincinnati. Um, it was fun though, because I'm like a college football guy, so it was kind of fun to just be like, just watch the guys, see who I liked, and then like, uh, then look them up later. I did the same thing you did with Tank. I was like, man, this number, two, I think it was right number two, actually. Tank was, I was like, man, number two is just killing it, man. You see how look at damn, <laughs> I peeped his numbers. It was the same thing with um, Osiris Torrance, too. I think he was like an all American, um, but I hadn't heard of him, so um, I was just watching, I was like, number 56. You know, and White is killing it. So let me write him down. And then when I went to go back and write, you know, go to get back to my laptop, I was like, let me look at this kid. 
oh, he was a consensus All-American. <laughs> no wonder he looks good out there. I felt the same way about Carl Brooks. I think he was an uh, interior defensive lineman from Bowling Green. Damn, they couldn't give him a better name? Sound like he's 50. Carl Brooks does sound like an old-ass name. That's an old dude. That's an old dude. Um, anyway, it was Carl Brooks, Bowling Green, I was looking at him. I got back, and I'm like, damn, he had like 18 tackles for loss or something like that. Playing on the edge at 300 pounds at Bowling Green. He was tearing it up. So that was a fun thing to do. I didn't have any bias or, or, or you know anything when I was just like watching. I was like, who are the best football players on the field? Who stands out to me? And then I'll go back and look and see if their stats uh, were eye-popping. And that that worked out a lot of the time. Like, that was cool. Another guy I got to throw in there is Riley Moss, who was – he's got to be the last white cornerback on earth. Like, I, just <laughs> ne- I, didn't, I was sitting there watching. I was in the stands. I was like, hey, wait a minute. Those legs white. Hold on. Because he had sleeves on. So I was like, hold on. Yeah, I ain't give me binoculars out. Hey, Google, I was like, who's number 27 in black? And Google said, like, there's a white guy named Riley playing corner. Uh, and he was he was pretty good. He was pretty good. Deceptive speed, too. Um, and he clocked the fastest time of the day uh, on the GPS little trackers that they were. I think it was like 20 miles an hour on the first down. Mm. Okay. He can run a little bit. Um, I don't know if he'd be a Seahawkee guy. He's got really short arms for outside corner. I think it's like 30 inches, which is well below the threshold. That Pete likes, but he did stood out. He was good. I wrote him down. I was like 27 in black. I was like, let me go look him up when I get home. And then one last one is JL Skinner, uh, safety from Boise State. I could see if he came to the Seahawks getting him getting moved to corner because he actually does look like a Seahawks corner. Super long arm, about 6'4, about 205, 206, something like that. Uh, yeah, but he was playing like box safety. And boy, he's a strong dude. I would love to see him with some pads on, like in an NFL uniform. So yeah, those are. I had a lot of guys that stood out. Like I was, I got my scout on. I felt felt good about that. So yeah, there's a lot of dudes. There's a lot of dudes out there who who got busy. But those are my favorites. Let's spin it back to let's talk maybe some division and where the Seahawks stack up. This one is from Dennis Gill. Ten. We know the Niners. Or the Rams are the number one team in the division, and the Cardinals are about to rebuild. But the Hawks, number two. Could they be number two if they have a good draft slash free agency, even with Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, and Cup returning? Yeah, I think the fight for number two is, like, legitimate. The Rams, like, like again, the question suggests, they were missing a lot of talent. It's not like the Rams just missed a couple guys. They missed their three best players at least three of their four, depending on where you feel like Bobby Wagner falls among their best players or Jalen Ramsey. But Cup, Stafford, actually, yeah, the stuff, Stafford's not one of their three best players. I, I take that back. But he is one of their three most important because he's the quarterback. Um, so I thought losing those losing those guys, that's just crazy. That throws off their whole – yeah, throw this whole season out the window. I know their offense wasn't very good even when it did have Cup uh, and Stafford, but, like, it torpedoed when they lost uh, those two. And then you lose Aaron Donald. Come on, man. It's like it's like the Avengers losing Iron Man. Like, come on, man, you can't really. They did okay though, Mike. They didn't make no more movies after they lost Iron Man. What you mean they stopped making the movies? <laughs> that, that's how big he was. They keep making these Thor joints and these, you know, Black Widow shits. They ain't make no more Iron Mans after they lost. After they lost, bro. Even they made another Black Panther without, uh, you know, T'Challa. They ain't making no more Avengers without Iron Man. That's how uh, he, Aaron Donald, is their Iron Man. Uh, but I do think that. It, it's, they do need to have another draft like 2022 if the Seahawks want to catch up. And it can't just be a good draft. Like, if you look back, they've actually had some, like, okay draft. Like, 2017, they had a lot of flops in there. 
But then, like, Shaquille Griffin was good throughout the duration of his rookie deal. So was Chris Carson. I mean, even David Moore giving you wide receiver three numbers as a seventh-round pick is, like, pretty valuable. So they, they got some guys in there. Um, but that I guess that was still, like, a bad draft. But like, 2015 gave you Frank and Tyler. Like, that's an okay draft because the other, like, six picks or whatever stunk. Um, so I think you need – and then you got, like, 2020. It's, like, an okay-ish draft. You got Daryl Taylor. You got D. Lou. Jordan Brooks, DJ Dallas, Colby Parkinson, uh, I think Freddie Swain's in there. That's like an okay draft, like no pro bowlers in there. You just got like some solid contributing players, only maybe like one or two that you have to pay for a second contract. But a 2022 class, it was like a couple guys that you don't have to pay. Like Abe Lucas and Charles Cross look like guys that are be second contract guys. Same thing with Tariq. You need those type of dudes in this 2023 class to catch – the, the Niners, or even catch the Rams, I think. You can't just have, like, a solid class. You need studs who are right away studs. Not like, like, Boye is like a, oh, okay, yeah, he could be, he could, he could be something. Same thing I feel like with Kobe, whereas Tariq and, like, Abe are like, oh, no, no, there's something now. That's the difference. Even Ken, sorry, I'm leaving out Ken. Ken is something right now. So I think that you need, that's what you need to catch those guys. And preferably, like I mentioned earlier, the middle round guys, because the middle round guys, that's where you get like, like Chris, you ever been cleaning up and you find, and you, you go through some old pants and you find $5 in there. You know what to I mean? To be honest, it's, I have probably never experienced. No, I'm kidding. I have, I have. Yeah. Everybody, you found some money in the couch or something like that. You know, like that's the, that's what it's like when hitting on the middle round guys. Like, yeah, yeah. It was always your money anyway, but you thought you wasn't really going to have it. You know, now it's like, let's say you take like a, you take a receiver in the fourth round and he's just as good as like Doug was, you know, that's incredible value, right? Not, not the same as if you take a guy in the first round and he's good as Doug was, it was like, well, I expect that guy to be as good as Doug Baldwin was. I took him with pick 17, right? He better ball. So I think that that's what, that's what they have to have. It can't just be, all right, my first round picks are good. My second round picks are good. Everyone gets first and second round picks that they expect to be good. You need to kind of cheat the system get you like a Max Crosby or a George Kittle. I think both of those guys might've been like fifth round picks like that. That is what you need specifically is to have those middle round guys hit right away to catch up in the division. This next one is from Will Branch at Beeman 5385. Willie Beeman, maybe Hmm, interesting in the three games. The Seahawks played the 49ers this past season. In my opinion, pretty large gap. Whether it be talent or scheme, do you think the Seahawks can close that gap in one offseason? Man, Chris, the Niners are good. <laughs> the Niners are so goddamn good. What do you do? You think they can close it in one one offseason? No, unless they hit on everything. everything. I mean, I mean, free agents, draft, and Gino's just got to play at another level. If those three things happen, okay, but that's. That's not easy to do. <laughs> if it was easy, if it was easy, the, the NFL wouldn't exist because <laughs> yeah. everybody would be. It's just that's just a lot. They can do it, but that is a lot, man. The Niners are they're a good football team. Think about it. They lost every quarterback that they could ever have, <laughs> and they still managed to be the number one, well, number two team in the NFC. That's hard to do. And I think they had the league's best point differential, too, like in the regular season. Like, they were whipping ass. On yeah, that yeah, that's another good point. They weren't winning 17 to 14 games. They were beating teams by 10-plus points or more. 
Yeah, it was smart. on a weekly basis with their backup, backup, backup quarterback, Mister yeah. Irrelevant. So that tells you the gap. Defense was crazy. Offensively, Brandon Ayuk has figured it out. They got they got guys that what's his name Jennings come. He's like the possession oh, receiver. Jennings yeah, like he he just you know third and long. All right, we'll bring him in. You know, hey, run a dig route for thirteen yards. First down. Run a slant. First down. They just have they have dogs everywhere. Seahawks aren't quite there yet. Can they get there? Two, three seasons, sure. But one off season, that is going to be hard to duplicate. Yeah, and I think they need some guys to have all pro seasons, even guys who are already on the team currently. Like I think, I think we talked about this in the past. But like the Niners have several all pro players on both sides of the of the ball: Trent Williams, Fred Warner, um, Debo, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, even Hafunga. Like these are all guys. Nick Bosa. These are all guys who've been first team all pro. I don't. I think the only guy in the Seahawks who's been first team all pro is Jamal. I want to say I think DK got guys have gotten votes. DK's gotten some votes. Quandre got votes. I think even Tariq got votes, but like first. And then I think Tyler was as a returner, maybe his rookie year. Uh, but I'm talking like first team all pro, like talent. That's what you need. And you can have guys. Tyler could easily have that type of season. I think DK could too. Um, you just need them to have it, you know? So I think that that's what's, needed on the jump as well not only hitting but then some guys taking like that that leap like Debo did what did Debo have in 2021 like 1400 yards and as as a receiver though that's not that's not that wasn't an all-purpose number I think like 1400 yards just catching the ball um not to mention what he was giving you as a as a running back too so they need a season like that from somebody and they need yeah hell it could even be Noah fan really you know like he's a guy they're invested in as well Maybe he has an all-pro season, but that's what you need. You can't just have guys who are like, oh, he's solid. Somebody got to be like, oh, nah, he's like unfuckwittable, to quote, you know, fabulous. This next one comes from Chihuahua Loco. We got quite a few from him. <laughs> what is the window for the Seahawks' plan to win the Super Bowl? Assuming they go with Geno, it feels like they're on a three-year deal. Also, Seahawks had a great year, but what is the likelihood that they finish? A, better than last year. B, worse. Or C, stay the same. Man, that was a lot of. I feel like that was a lot of options um, there. So, uh, let's see. First one. What was the first part of that? Super Bowl window, three years or uh, less. Yeah, I think every team should operate. I've said this before on the pod, and I firmly believe this. And all of the knowledge that I gain over off seasons and talking to people really just reaffirms this. You really should just be operating in a legitimate like two year window. Like if you you just can't plan for the growth that you'll need like three years down the road, like guys get hurt, guys just fall off. Um, usually if you're like, if you feel like you have a window, like right now, if you're a team, it usually means you have some guys who are old on the team that are probably not going to be there in that, in that important positions too. Like if you're the, think of a team like even like the Eagles, they've got some dudes who are contributing, who've been there for a little bit. You know, like I don't think if they're like three years from now, we'll still have like Darius Slay playing at all pro level. I wouldn't count on that. Um, I wouldn't count on that with Fletcher Cox. I wouldn't count on that with Brandon Graham, right? Now, granted, that's just three dudes, but that does matter, right? It, those three dudes are part of the big reason why they are where they are currently. So, I, and every team has that, even if you're the Chiefs, you're like three years, three, th- three years down the line, like, okay, do we still have Frank Clark on the roster? Um, you know, Frank's like one of the best postseason pass rushers ever. Um, Ty, uh, how many years is Travis Kelsey going to be like unstoppable? You know, and every team has a couple of those guys. Yes, getting a good core is important, um, but 
it, just having the cord is not enough to get you there. It, there's all these other pieces too. And if you just think like in three years, guys will take every little incremental step that you need. It doesn't work like that. Growth is not always linear in the NFL, particularly on defense. Your defense can be elite in 2017 and it can be garbage in 2018. Your, de your defense could be trash in 2021 then elite in 2022 and then go back to being mid in 2023 like there's just there's too much fluctuation particularly on that side of the ball too to depend on just like oh yeah no 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 and three years from now we'll be straight it's like ah, you know, a lot of stuff to go right and there's just way too many injuries and stuff particularly on defense to do that so yeah i think the seahawks should be operating in like a, let's try to win in the next two years right or just always be thinking at least two years out so like right now, they should be thinking, all right, we need to win in 2023. Worst case scenario, 2024. Um, and then next year, just like be looking at these two-year windows. I know they sign guys for longer than that, obviously, but even look at the Seahawks. They really don't put much guaranteed money in dudes' contracts past the second year, if any at all, right? Because they know, like, hey, this dude could fall off a cliff. He could get hurt, you know, especially particularly on defense. So I think the window is now. If you're going to do it, it's, oh, I'm not a big fan of a QB at five. I think someone asked that. Um, one of our questions. No. We're going to pay Gino. Go ahead and try to win with Gino right now. Dude's 32 and is about to enter his fourth year as a starter. He's got fresh legs-ish, you know, kind of-ish. I'm around Gino's age and my legs are not fresh. It ain't <laughs> nobody hit me. So I know his can't be entirely fresh. Uh, but, yeah, I think the window needs to be be now. I feel like, oh, we can just grow Nah, not with a not with a staff who's you know Chris. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, this is about to be like Pete Carroll's like 14th draft. It's insane. That's ain't yeah. No wonder he don't want to rebuild. He gonna get fired if he starts a starts a rebuild. Um, and I can see why some teams are like, all right, it's gonna take us a little bit, like the Giants, the Lions, you know, the Jaguars. But even then, like you see, like look at some of these teams I just named. They were right there on the precipice of um, making their conference championship game. Right. Like the Giants made a divisional round. The Jags made a divisional round in the first year of their coaches. So in the next year, Dayball, uh, Day the Giants and Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, they should think like, all right, this is our window. They shouldn't think be thinking in three years. It's our window. That's dumb. Try to win. Try to win right now. You know, thank you for coming to my TED talk. Sorry, that was a, was a little long. Part three. Seahawks oh. finished with a better. The same. Or excuse me, better, worse or the same record. Or you what record you got? What, give me the Seahawks twenty twenty three record. What you got? Uh, so I'm not gonna said, hold you to it now, but I mean. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I went. I said, what did I say? Nine and eight. Mike was no. I said eight or I said eight and nine. And Mike was like, you think they won eight games? Go, go to the schedule, Chris. And give me the eight games. <laughs> Boy, did I struggle. <laughs> yeah, I have to say you struggled finding me eight there. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, you know what? Right now, this team will win. I'll say eight games again, eight and nine. Eight and nine, okay. Mm -hmm. I, I'll probably right there at nine with you. The one game, it's so crazy how much winning scores in your in like that are decided by one possession changes everything. Chris, <laughs> you know the Vikings won 11 one-score games this year? Disgusting. 11. They won that is, 11 one-score games. That is, they need help. That is ill. <laughs> yeah, that's, because they, they, what'd they win? They were like 13 and four or something like that? Yeah. Uh, and they were 11 and 0 in one score game. You asked me how many games the Vikings are going to win next year. I might win like five. Yeah, right? they're like, going to be. They are due for some just massive, massive regression. And their and their defense was awful. Awful. <laughs> awful. Brian Flores ain't going to fix that shit right away. Um, <laughs> he's not. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's going to go over there and be like, dang, our best safety is white. 
Oh <laughs> man. Now nah, Harrison Smith is all right, but he's cold, uh, man. Yeah, he he's old. See, another team. We, old guy is part of the core. No, um, I said he's cold. Who Harrison? Yeah, he's he still got it. He's not cold. Still he got is. it. Cold are not the same to me. Man, to me, it is. Damn, what no. you talking about? Cold in the. Man, move along. Answer. <laughs> right. Oh, speaking of cold, real quick. The thing I did catch at the Pro Bowl. Um, did you see? It was Ryan Clark. He was interviewing Jared Goff for one of them throwing competitions. And I didn't see it, like, but what happened? He asked him, he was like, yeah, Jared, throwing in the dome is much nicer than that cold you used to throw it up to in Detroit, huh? And Jared was like, I mean, we play indoors <laughs> in Detroit. <laughs> I'll, I'll, find the, I'll find it for you. I wonder why he was asking him that. I was like, has Ryan never played in Detroit? Man, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> he never watched the game there. So Probably like, not. <laughs> he did a really good job on that podcast with Gino, the Pivot podcast. But yeah, well, he asked, he asked, Jared was so nice about it. <laughs> I, was I, like, at I looked at the dude like, right? What are you talking about, dog? Yeah, have you been to Detroit, bro? Like, do you watch football? No, <laughs> for real. That's a legit question, though. Like, Detroit plays on Thanksgiving every year. <laughs> Games always on national television indoors. Uh, anyway, no, Harrison Smith's not cold. Uh, I forgot what. Oh, we both. Would you say eight and nine? I said nine and eight. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that sounds like realistic for next year. Maybe ten and seven. They get like some one score wins in there. Get that Vikings luck. This next one comes from Big Ginger Kid, Nicholas P- <laughs> Peter Dale. Is Chris Carson doing okay? You know, that's that's. I'm glad someone mentioned that. I, I did talk to some people close to Chris um, who were down at the Senior Bowl. Um, and it wasn't a long combo because I didn't want to prod into Chris's life. But it does sound like Chris is doing fine. I don't like notice status of his neck or anything. I just you know, I just say, hey, man, how's he doing? So he, uh, he became a father um, last offseason. I don't want to mess up the gender, um, but he, he he did have a, a child. So I think he's at home in Atlanta, raising his kid, raising his family, um, which in the big picture of life is more important than whether he could play running back. You know, like hopefully you hope his neck is OK. Um, I didn't know that he um, had a child. So that was cool. You know, I think Chris is like 28, something like that. So that's cool, man. He got he got his he got paid. I think he took care of his mom. Um because I know she wanted a she wanted a new crib because her crib burnt down when he was in JUCO, um, so got them a crib. I think I'm pretty sure he bought himself a crib. Now he's a family man, like so. Yeah, I, I didn't talk about Chris very long when I was down there, but I did run into some people who know him, and that's the update. Oh God, I'm glad someone asked that man. Shout out to Chris Carson, man. I hope he's doing all right. This next one comes from Scott Nelson. Will the Seahawks re-sign Geno Smith? Why or why not? All right, Chris is on the fence on this one. Oh, man, I honestly, I talked about it with you off wax. I honestly don't know. I said Russ was returning, and what did they do? They shipped the man out. And I'm like, oh, okay. So Gino saying all the right things. Pete Carroll saying all the right things. John Snyder saying all the right things. I, I don't know. They they might draft a guy, and then you're like, oh, okay, this is what the Seahawks are doing. I, Mike, what do you have? I think that they will, that Gino will be on the roster in 2023. I'm very confident in that. Um, I do think a notable difference between Russ and Gino was that Russ was, for reasons that I don't necessarily fault him for, searching for greener pastures, right? Like he just was. Like he he wanted out. He asked for a trade. They traded it. Gino's not at that point in his life. Like for Gino, this probably is the greener pasture. You know what I'm saying? Like he'd been other places. It didn't work out. And now he's here, a place that, you know, makes him feel seen where he had the best year of his professional career because yeah, a couple of them seasons at West Virginia, they ain't going to top those. That boy was slinging that joint. 
Um, so I can understand if this is not like the best year of his whole career, but like for his pro career, Pro Bowl, balling out, probably gonna win comeback player of the year this week or on Thursday, whenever that award show that I'm not gonna watch uh, comes on. Um, yeah, so I think that's a big difference. I do think that Pete Carroll, when I brought up the what year of draft he's in, like 14 years is a time that's like when you find a quarterback you think can get you to where you need to be, you do what you got to do to keep him if you have say over the personnel. I think that's what it'll come down to. Like John, or excuse me, Pete has lost a few of those battles. It sounds like like Bob, Pete wanted to keep Bobby, for example. Eventually he had to just take the L. Pete wanted to keep Russ. Eventually he had to take the L. I don't think Pete will take the L on this one and lose Geno. Um, after like back-to-back years losing quarterbacks is just going to frustrate the hell out of that dude. He old, man. He can't handle all that. Um, so for that reason, if nothing else, I do think he will be on the roster in 2023. I can't guarantee he gets a long-term deal. I think that's what that's, I would feel good about that. Like if I had to go place a bet in Vegas, I would do it that he gets one. But if nothing else, I feel confident the 2023 Seahawks are going to be quarterbacked by Geno Smith because the head coach who has personnel say is going to say, Hey, yo, Y'all need to do what it takes to get this guy so we can go out here and win a championship so we can all not get fired in 2023. This next one comes from Matt. How will Seattle go about sorting re-signings once Geno signs a new contract? Assuming it is $30 million average per season, even if a fair chunk of that is shifted to the 2024, et cetera, that still leaves not much to bring back some of the Seahawks guys that they want to and or go out and get new ones. Yeah, I think that's a fair, fair question. Yeah, I think even if Gino was to make like 30 million a year or 25, 28, whatever, a lot of that would be a cap hit. The cap hit, I bet you his year one cap hit is probably like anywhere from 12 to 18 million dollars, even if he's making 30 million a year, just because you can you can finesse cap hits in that way. That would be my that would be my thought on that. But honestly, you look at their restrict their unrestricted free agent list, Chris, ain't that many dudes who I'm like, yo, you gotta have him back. You know, like it's not that I think my list would be. I don't know if there's any. I know you like Marquise Goodwin coming back. Um, I think like Puna. If you if you gut the rest of the the D line room, like if you were to move on from Shelby and Q, then I mean I think Puna would be a priority at that point. Puna should probably be uh, up on the list of priorities, um, regardless. But he's he's a guy you can finesse that cap hit too. I think if you were to release or trade Gabe Jackson, Phil Haynes becomes like a guy like, oh, you should get him back. After that, though, there's some guys I would like back, but I'm not saying like Tyler Ott, for example, but I don't think like it's the end of the world um, there. Let's see. Who else is on here? I would like Bam Johnson back, but it's not like the end of the world. If he if he doesn't, after that, I'm just, Travis Homer, another guy. It's like that would be – oh, Nick Ballore. Never mind. That's a priority. Bring Nick back. That's a shout to Nick. Nick, come on the podcast. Um, Other than that, though, you don't really need that much money to retain your own guys. I think restricted free agency is where you probably have a couple guys like Tanner, Ryan Neal. That's I'd say Ryan's a bigger priority than their entire unrestricted class besides Gino. I think Ryan. I think Ryan will be. And then after that, your exclusive rights free agents. These are all guys who will be on you know minimum deals, so not much. So Miles Adams and Michael Jackson. And then Godwin, I don't know how to pronounce Godwin's last name, but after that, I don't really think you need that much bread um, to sign, re-sign your own guys. And especially if you're going to cut some dudes and, you know, maybe even restructure Noah's deal or something like that or give them extension. Yeah, you don't – the roster needs new players. 
you know, and I think you can go get a lot of those guys with your 10 draft picks and maybe only pick up one or two dudes in free agency. I think that should be the plan. There's not a lot, like we said earlier, ain't that much value in free agency as is. Yeah, two more. This next one comes from at Young Greek Opa. How close do you think the defense is to contend for another Super Bowl? And this is why it's – did I, I already mention, right, that I watched rewatched Super Bowl 49? Yep. Yeah, I did, yeah. Guys, we are very far away from that. That defense was nasty. And I knew that, but I loved watching it with all the knowledge that I have of football now. And it was just like watching – they were so top-heavy in that game. Like, their, their good players were not just good players. They were fantastic. Like, Earl was fantastic. You know, Brady didn't even throw at Sherman that game? Mm. I forgot about that. Um, maybe he did, like, once. Like, Sherman was really like that, for real. Like, it was – we're not even going to throw at this dude. Like, for example – is different. This is not really a knock on Tariq. It just kind of shows where he has to grow as a corner. In the wild card round against a rookie quarterback, part of their game plan was to throw at the Seahawks' best corner, which was Tariq. In the Super Bowl against the best quarterback ever, or at least the GOAT, I don't think he's the best, but the greatest quarterback ever, they did not throw at all at the Seahawks' best corner, which was Sherman. They barely even threw out the Seahawks number two corner in that Super Bowl. That just kind of shows you the difference in levels. Like a rookie was the, was like, oh, we're going to target two seven over there. We're going to keep throwing at him. Brady was like, I ain't throwing the ball anywhere near two five the entire game. He still threw from a shit ton of yards in that game. So I do think they're, they're kind of, they're far from that particular unit. But even then you looked at some of the defenses that have made it, um, some of these, like I was looking at, I'm gonna go rewatch later this week the Bucks Super Bowl that they won. Boy, they were stacked up front. There's a reason they was on Mahomes' ass. They had dudes, bro. That that and wasn't even just on the edge. I mean, you're talking like Vita Vea coming up the gut, smoking cats. Like, you know, the I, maybe I don't I don't remember exactly who I know they had guys like Shaquille Barrett. Uh, What's his name? They had a couple guys just flying off the edge. Uh, Joe something, I think. Like Pierre yeah. Paul. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. JPP. Like I think so. I got to re- rewatch the whole the whole game. But I just I just remember that team being so loaded, having good corners, good safeties, the best linebacker duo. So yeah, no, nah, it 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 takes quite a bit. These chief defenses, low key, that keep making the Super Bowl or contending. These are the outliers because the Chiefs haven't been loaded on defense in their Super Bowls. They, they have not. They've had Frank. They've had Chris Jones. I think one year they had the Honey Badger. Um, and that's, that's about it. You know, the corner situation has never been loaded. The linebacker situation has never been loaded. They've never been loaded really at safety like that. So they've had – You know what is loaded? What? Their offense. Yeah, they're, they're getting there by off. But I know that this question particularly was about the defense. But, yeah, yeah. they've got to get loaded fast at some spots. And, I'm, like I said, it's got to take some – the Chiefs defense, where I think is uh, to spin this towards the Seahawks, the current version of the, C- the the Chiefs defense is a really good example of how you can get there if it starts up front. Like there, it starts up front with like Chris and 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 Frank, and then the back end. I think they got like four rookie DBs that play for those guys right now. I know Jerry Sneed got hurt, but like they're playing rookies in the in the back end. I think Nick Bolton is one of their linebackers, a very good linebacker. But like, how many of y'all knew his name before I just said it just now? I think he's number thirty-two. I think um, so. 
they because they're so stout up front and they got game records up there, the back end can just not it don't have to be star studded. And maybe the Seahawks build theirs from back to front, like they did with the LOB, or front to back. Doesn't really matter. But they they need some one of those, either their back end or their front end, to be such game records that they that the other guys don't have to be game records as well. They just have to be solid. That's probably more realistic than being like the LOB. I'm really confident we'll never see another LOB. Four straight years leading the league in scoring defense? What? Hmm. Oh, that was disgusting. It's random because the homie brought it up to me, Chris. Did you know that the 2000 Ravens only gave up 10 points a game? 10. It was like 10.3 or something like that. Doesn't matter. That's, that's <laughs> what? That's video game, man. That's playing Madden on rookie and be like, yeah, they can't, I can't, they can't score on me. That's crazy. 10 yeah. points per game. That's a field goal and a touchdown. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, no. I don't I don't know the specifics of it, like how they like whether they had like some crazy streak or something like that. But yeah, it was I don't know how many touchdowns they gave up. Also, that unit, sorry, this is just under my brain because I was looking it up. They had a plus 10 turnover margin in their four playoff games. Plus 10. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, no, that defense was like that. We're how not gonna were, the defense like how that. How many turnovers did Ray Lewis? Have un- under his belt, man. I'm sure he had half of them. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't. I hadn't. I didn't look at the specifics. Like uh, I was just looking at some of the team stats, but I was like, plus ten. Holy hell! <laughs> like even just forcing ten turnovers is pretty crazy. Um, and how many games they play again, Mike? <laughs> Three? Oh, oh, four? Okay. I think they went four and zero. I, I want to say it was. It's I mean, that's still nuts. So yeah, that was, <laughs> two turnovers was, a game. If <laughs> two and a half, damn near. Yeah, yeah. They were no, and they, yeah, they were plus two. Yeah, I think they had like twelve turnovers forced and they only committed two on offense. So I think that's how they got the plus 10. So yeah, like 12 turnovers in four games like that. It's like pretty nuts. Uh, I think that was how the breakdown goes. So anyway, my point being, it takes them being loaded uh, at least either in the back or the front to, to get you there. I think the Seahawks quickest path there is probably the back end because of Tariq, Jamal and Quandre, but it doesn't matter. Either load it back, to, load it somewhere so you can help out the other guys. This last one comes from Daryl Bosaki. Which past Seahawk would you love to see most get hired as an assistant coach? You want to go first? You want me to give mine? I'll go ahead. I would love to see Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman oh, is a lot of knowledge of the game. He's one of the best to ever do it, I think. And I think he could teach a lot. I think he could teach what he's done to a lot of these younger cats. Like having Tariq Woolen learn from Sherman, I think his his game would just get that much better because they have the same build obviously Tariq's faster but the athleticism is there he just needs the mental and I think Sherm would be the perfect guy to help him mentally get there and once he has that man there's no telling how great Tariq could be yeah I would love Sherm Sherm specifically has to be the the coordinator I think burning him as a position coach nah I need him to everybody I need him just to be able to coach the whole the whole defense man he would be so passionate he needs to be one of those coordinators who's then available after the game because I would love to hear him just talk shit. Coordinators <laughs> usually aren't. It's usually just like, you know, head coaches and then like Jerry Jones. Uh, you know how so many times like, Sharon would be like, yeah, I knew what the offense wanted to do before they even did it. I told my guy this is what they're going to do, and that's why we had three interceptions. Next. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It would just be just excellent, excellent interviews. Um, it would be like Anthony Edwards of the NBA. Great. <laughs> All of his are great. Uh He's the only reason I watch anything Timberwolves. Mine is though, <laughs> mine is Doug Baldwin because mm. um, I think, and then my, I have the opposite thing with Doug. I would want him to be a position coach. 
because I want him to just get like give him like eight, nine guys and just have those be his guys through thick and thin, kind of very similar to how Ken Norton Jr. means so much to Bobby Wagner and Bruce and KJ Wright and even Mike Moe, I think, Malcolm Smith. Like those guys, those linebackers who played for him, love that man to death, go to war with him. He's at their weddings, whatever. They do anything. Like I bet you if they got arrested, he, Ken would be on the list of dudes they call for bail before guys in their own family. Hopefully none of those guys get arrested. But you guys, you guys get my point. So I think Doug would end up being like that. Like he would – those dudes would become better men even if they never became better football players. I don't even know if Doug would want to coach. But I know he would make them dudes better men for sure. Like those guys would be – they would be great. They would, their home lives would be – they'd be able to have someone talk about – wives kids stresses of being rich and famous you know mental health he would get them boys right no idea how he would be as a coach uh but as like the x's and o's i know he knows ball duh, but that that part i would love for that position that to just to see that in real time um just imagine would, the huddle the game of life fellas it's more than a football game it's the game of life this opportunity right. you have in front of you to dominate we want to be empathetic of what's going to take place on this field Sunday. <laughs> yeah, like a really good example, y'all. We have an interview with Doug Ballin. Um, as soon as this is over, go check that out. Um, it's on Spotify, YouTube, Apple. Oh, yeah, when I asked him about route running? <laughs> yeah, Chris asked him what it, the key to being a good route runner. Doug said empathy and stared into the camera. <laughs> Me and Chris was froze. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> so I can only imagine, like, yeah, no, nah, coach, I'm trying to get, I'm tr trying to stack him a little better. How can I? It's like you gotta have better empathy, son. Excuse me. <laughs> can you define the word empathy? Let me see that. <laughs> yeah, no, it would be fire. He would be, he would make an outstanding coach. So yeah, those are. I'm glad we didn't pick the same one. So that's that's good. Doug and Sherm, two Stanford guys. Oh, love well, look at that. We might not have picked the same guy, but they went to the same university. <laughs> yeah, we love 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 those two dudes. As uh, C Seahawks coaches or coaches just anywhere, but preferably with the Seahawks. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for stopping by on this Twitter mailbag, as you see on the screen below. If you're listening to us on the audio side, we appreciate all the love and support. We will keep coming back. I think we got one, one more plan for you this month. And then, of course, we'll get ready for the NFL draft, which is later in April, obviously. But Combine, too. It'll be at the Combine later this month. Combine as well coming up. So, yeah, we'll we'll have a little bit more content for you. But, again, it is, it is the off season, so... We're going to enjoy this time away from giving you guys two pods a week. <laughs> I've been sleeping a lot. And it's been great. So is there anything you want to add, Mike, before we get out of here? Just appreciate the love and support um, on Apple, on you know, Spotify, The Athletic, all that stuff. YouTube, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Wouldn't do this if it wasn't for y'all tuning in every week. So we'll catch you guys uh, next time. Stay safe out here. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.